This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Miranda. She loves pickled okra. And that's Melanie. She's donated more clothes to me in the last 10 years than I've actually gone out and bought myself. Miranda, um, you're looking perhaps a little tired, maybe run down, possibly listless. What's what's going on? It's been a hell of a week, Mel. Oh my God. I have been like in just the the motherhood trenches. And I know we've all been there. But it's been like super frustrating and like, you know, those days where you're just like ah, at your wits end. That's just me. Y- yes. I feel like we've all had a lot of those um, yeah. lately. And I mean, my voice, it's not from yelling at my kid, I promise. But I'm sure you all can tell that I sound <laughs> a little a little Marge Simpson-y. Okay. So what's going on? Yeah. What's the, what's the, yeah. the most challenging part? You know, well, what I think it is, and I think probably like this is what's catching up to you too, is just like school just started. And so it's this big routine. It's this big routine shift and it's like a change. And I think it just catches up to us no matter how much like cute prep work we do along the way. Yeah. <laughs> it still just like kind of hits us. Um, Isn't it funny though, like how we didn't realize how, quite how loosey goosey we had gotten in the summer? Yeah. Because because we definitely did here and it has been rough. Yes. And it takes a toll on you. And like, you don't even realize how much of a toll it takes until mm-hmm. <laughs> you're here one week into school and you're just like completely at your wit's end. So I picked my segment tonight, disclosure, I picked my se- segment tonight around discipline because that's been a key area of frustration for me this week. And it's been very emotional and I've had to do a lot of reflecting because I have snapped. I can't even tell you how many times I've snapped, but I did have a funny story where this all kind of blew up in my face and that was <laughs> my realization as it usually is that uh, there's got to be a better way than than what what I'm doing. And, and I think it's really just like is Fisher started first grade. Again, we're trying to do good with the bedtime routine and get back into that groove really solidly. But I I think about he's spending his day, you know, his full day in a completely different space with a new teacher, with new kids in a new classroom. And it's just a lot of newness and it just kind of shakes things up a little bit. Right. Absolutely. It's an adjustment. So 
We've been having a lot of trouble this week with getting him to get ready for bed. And he's like, well, I'm not tired. I'm not tired. I'm not tired. And it just escalates. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you're tired. It's time to go to bed. You know, right. and and whether you lay down and like fall straight asleep or whether you go up into your bed and you read a book or you play with a toy for a little while, you need to wind down and start going to sleep. Like I'm not I'm not asking you. I'm telling you, you have to. Yeah. Like we have to be up in 10 hours, basically. Right. And do this again. <laughs> so come on, let's go. What had happened was. He was getting out of the shower and I told him to go upstairs and put on his pajamas. And he's like, I don't want my pajamas. I hate my pajamas. I never want to sleep in my pajamas again. And it was like this whole thing out of nowhere. And like in my clinically trained counselor brain i'm like this isn't about the pajamas but i'm also like it's 7 45 bro like we're right. already like running late my dude so go get your jammies on i mean there's screaming there's tears there's stamping of feet and gnashing of teeth and oh, off he no. marches upstairs all the things all the things and i'm like let me just give him a minute like maybe he'll chill like maybe he'll get his jammies on whatever so i give him like 10 minutes in his room right okay i walk up there only to find all of the jammies that he owns in the world strewn about the floor in piles and him sitting on the floor bare ass naked still pitching a fit and i'm like 10 minutes he's really committed I'm like, That's what a is long this? time. I know. Like, I my ADD brain, like, I would have moved on to the next thing. But here he is sitting. And, I mean, it's like the clothes are all surrounding him. Like, he's gone on a rage, you know, throwing them in the air. So, I'm like, what? is going on and he's like i hate my pajamas i hate all of my pajamas and i'm like okay then tonight you can sleep naked and he kind of looked at me like what and i'm like get into the bed right now and cover yourself up i'm going to read you your book and we're going to go to bed and he kind of like you know like wipes his nose really quick and he's like is she being serious like is she for real he he did not expect that (laughs) he did not and i kind of didn't either but i'm literally at my wits end at this point and you've already said it so now you're you're committed (laughs) bingo and remember that because it's gonna come up later (laughs) (laughs) so while he's getting himself into bed i kind of make this plan i'm gonna walk downstairs And I'm going to get a trash bag and I am going to put all of his pajamas into the trash bag and I'm going to do this thing. Oh, wow. Now you're having your dramatic fit. (laughs) I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's been a long ass day at this point. So I go downstairs. I get the trash bag. And I'm telling myself, like, if I go upstairs and he's made a choice to put his jammies on and get into bed, like, the trash bag plan goes out the window. But sure enough, I get my trash bag. I go upstairs. And he's under the covers naked as a jaybird. So I very calmly start picking up the jammies off the floor and putting them into the trash bag. And he's like, well, what are you doing with those jammies? And I'm like, well, if you hate them, 
I'm just going to throw them away because I would hate for you to have jammies that you hate. And, you know, I, I will take them and donate them to another little kid who doesn't have pajamas to wear, who doesn't have nice, warm, soft pajamas to wear. I'll donate those to another little boy who really needs them because I don't want you to have something that you hate. Oh, wow. This is really like you've really gone, you've gone somewhere. Oh, my God. Like, you had to have been like shocked at yourself. Like you were just like, because that's not normally you. Like no, I know people that no. live in that space. No, but this is way out of character. Oh, my gosh. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. The boy was making me crazy. So, so you I've, put all the pajamas in a trash bag. I have a trash bag full of pajamas and they sit right there on the floor next to the bed and we read our book and I tell him good night. And then I calmly pick up the trash bag and he's like, are you really going to take those? And I'm like, yep, I sure am. So I take them downstairs. And of course, of course, I'm not really going to donate every single pair of pajamas that my child owns. That's... No, because you're not going to rebuy pajamas. Correct. And these are like nice pajamas. Like they really right. are warm and soft. Like when he grows out of them, of course, <laughs> I'll donate them. I'll pass them along, but not right now. So I hide them in the garage very strategically where I know he'll never find the trash bag. Right. And I'm like, you know what? I will deal with this later. <laughs> I, I will deal with you, the repercussions you... and the fallout from this later. But for now, let the chips fall as they may. <laughs> so you put them on a shelf. Damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. Like, here we go. Okay. Okay. So then the next morning we get up, we go to school. Everything's fine. Everything's everything was fine in the morning. You know, he woke up naked. I'm sure he was surprised at that. But he, <laughs> he got dressed. <laughs> he ate, had a smoothie. We went to school. We did the thing. And I, I picked him up from school. So we okay. get home and we're doing the normal, like, here's, take your folder out of your backpack, get your water bottle refilled, like getting all plug the stuff your, out. Plug your nonsense in because oh the school can't just keep those and charge them there. Why can't they just keep them and charge them there, by the way? I, makes me I don't, I don't understand. It's like you're giving me another task. Like another task? I'm already forging the reading log. Like what else do you want me to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> so so we get home. I'm getting all the stuff out. And I realize his lunchbox is missing from his backpack. Like gone. It's not, not there, there at all. It's called like a Bentgo lunchbox. They're kind oh, yeah, of expensive. Those are, those are expensive. You get them on Amazon. So they're with they the little open. compartments. Yeah, they have all the compartments. They're super easy to clean. And, and I love it because you don't have to use like individual Ziploc bags for everything. Right, but you right. can also, you don't have to buy like prepackaged, you know, junk food either. Right. Anyway, Bentgo box is gone. Mama paid $25 for the Bentgo. Where is it at, Fisher? Where's your lunchbox? Did you forget it at school? I can see where this is headed. Yeah, you can, because this is where I have to take out my big old fat spoon and eat my words, because Fisher says, well, I hate my lunchbox, so I just threw it away. Oh. Threw it away in the trash can? In the cafeteria? Yes. Oh, so sure of himself. Resolute, too. resolute. Because I modeled this for him, Melanie. I modeled you, this for him. You absolutely did. So I'm face palming and I'm gritting my teeth and I am trying to not pull every last bit of my hair out. But this was a lesson for me when I later calmed down and reflected. 
Yeah, for that sure. The way we handle ourselves can make a difference. So that oh my gosh. that was my week. Did you order a new one? You know I had to. You know I had to. <laughs> I had to. It's the bent go, Melanie. It's the bent go. So it'll get here now. Now as punishment, as punishment, he is brown bagging it. He is brown bagging it for the rest of the week. So I'm talking like literal paper brown bag lunch. Does he care though? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> you do. He probably I would be like humiliated like, if I had to go to school with a brown paper bag. It's so wow. hard. Why is it so hard? <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard, but that is so funny. <laughs> well, we'll get to it because again, this is what has inspired my segment tonight. So Okay. Okay. Good deal. <laughs> I really just need a break from all of this nonsense. Can you please share a medical mystery that will just lift my spirits right up, please? I mean, I don't know if I have a spirit lifting one, but I did think that it's one that many of us have faced or will face. Tonight, we are talking about hand, foot, and mouth disease. Ah, yes. Hand, foot, and mouth. Have you dealt with it? Oh, it comes for us all at some point. Sometimes it, it comes for it us does. at multiple points. Yeah, we had our run-in with that. I think, I want to say Fisher was two, and uh, there yeah. was a whole outbreak at daycare. Yep, same here. And I think at that time, well, our children both went to the same daycare when they were young. Mm -hmm. It was different eras when they each got it, but it is very common, most common in children under five, but anyone can get it. And so I wanted to look a little bit more into it and kind of figure out like what is really going on, because I know that you and I have both dealt with it, but I don't think we really sat back to think like, what is this? What, <laughs> what, are, yeah. what are we dealing with here? Each year, there's about 200,000 cases in the U.S., and of course, that's just an estimate. It's not really reported necessarily, so that's just an estimate. It's not considered a serious illness, but it's incredibly contagious. So oh. it's most commonly known to spread in schools and daycare centers, which was mm. our experience. Mm -hmm. So how does it begin? You might wonder, if you all out there are lucky enough to have not dealt with this yet, how does it start? Your child will usually present with a fever, reduced appetite, sore throat, and they will feel lethargic. Now, the unfortunate thing for all of us is those are the symptoms of most every illness. Just literally right? about everything. <laughs> Just yes. about everything. I don't know. In, in our household, Jonah has never told me he had a sore throat. I don't know about you. Some some kids don't yeah. ever complain of that. Yeah. But the reduced appetite, said. we obviously, we notice. The fever, mm -hmm. we notice. The lethargic, mm -hmm. we notice. So those are the initial symptoms. Here's the really not fun thing about it. Those symptoms usually don't occur until three to five days after they're exposed. So this is another mm -hmm. one of those like COVID sort of situations where mm -hmm. there's a lag in symptoms showing up. How fast they show up. makes it harder for us as parents to pinpoint what's going on. After the fever, they tend to develop sores in their mouth, really painful sores. Do you know what those are called? 
I no. included this just because I really wanted to say this. Ooh, word. I'm glad that you did. Herpangina. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds like a combination of two other words that we know. Yeah. It sure does. Wow. So, herpangina. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's got the herpangina. Herpangina. <laughs> She's got those herpangina. <laughs> wow. So, so these herpangina sores oh. appear as spots initially and then they're like blistery and painful yeah, and they're yeah. usually wait for it in the back of yep. your throat yep and i remember when fisher had them i like shined a little flashlight and mm. they were back there and yeah it was some herpangina going on for sure so here's the other weird thing about it so it's usually at the same time or even shortly after the herpangina shows itself then they get the itchy skin rash which shows up on the palms of their hands the soles of their feet and sometimes that can extend to their arms legs buttocks genitals belly and back and wow. it's a weird rash it's like spots almost like a not like a chicken box but like a like a red dot kind mm -hmm. of thing if i remember mm -hmm. right Yep. So it has kind of a weird series of things and it starts off with stuff that's very normal <laughs> and then goes to something else. I mentioned earlier that it is very contagious, very contagious. Every article I read kept talking about how unbelievably contagious it is. It's unbelievable. Which is contagious. which is great. So if someone has hand, foot, and mouth disease, it's caused by a virus, and we'll get to a little bit more on that in a second. But the virus can be found in their nose and throat, including saliva, drool, nasal mucus, fluid from blisters, and also in their feces. So if you're dealing Whoa. with babies or young children, it's everywhere. Oh like, my gosh. I know we've talked before about how slobbery toddlers are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're usually still in diapers. So, I mean, you think about like a two and a half year old. Oh, man. Oof. Coming at you with the with the herpangina. It's just you don't want any of that coming at it's you. It's everywhere. These kiddos that have it are most contagious during the first week that they're sick. However, they can still spread the disease for days or even weeks after the symptoms go away. And there are these occasional folks that are just carriers and don't really what? have symptoms. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Viruses are weird, man. Now, I feel like I've heard something where it's almost like the way the symptomatology works, symptomatology, however you say that symptomology. word. Symptomology. Symptomology. Thank you. <laughs> That's why she does the medical mysteries, everybody. It's like you're, you're contagious, contagious, contagious. And then it's almost like the dots show up, like the rash shows up, especially on your body. I don't know about the ones in your mouth, but the ones on your body show up after it kind of seems like that could be the case in a lot of these situations, really, because of how the like the dots show up last. It's like, why don't the dots show up first? That's the would sign. Know. Right. We would know for <laughs> sure what we were dealing with. Because I, I swear, like I was dropping Fisher off and like some of the kids still had because, of course, like the whole daycare had to be notified right, because one kid right. gets it. They're all they've all got yeah. it. So we had to stay home for like two or three days. And when we came back, like some of the kids still had 
had the dots on their hands, but the teacher was explaining to me like, yeah, once right. they get the dots, they're not contagious anymore. And like right. it's already like kind of run its course or something. More or less, when you mention the whole class gets it. So here's how hand, foot, and mouth is spread. Contact with droplets that contain the virus can be made when a person is sick if they cough, sneeze, or even talk. So Mm, it's just like leaving anybody. airborne. If you touch an infected person or make close contact with them, hugging, kissing, sharing cups, eating utensils. So picture that toddler room at the daycare. They're hugging each other. It's all free game. Everything that was in your mouth is going in my mouth. And we're all just, we're chewing on stuff together. Yeah. Touching an infected person's poop. Obviously, you shouldn't do that on purpose. But even if you're changing diapers or Mm -hmm. say somebody had a blowout and then you never know what's going to happen. I would like to think that's in younger babies. But I mean, we have all had things happen. Touching surfaces or objects like doorknobs, toys, and then touching your eyes or your mouth or your nose. And then it does say that even sometimes it can be spread by swallowing like recreational water, like swimming pool kind of stuff, which is real scary. Yeah, yuck. (laughs) So, So as I mentioned, this is a very common situation. It's estimated to be 200,000 cases a year in the U.S. alone. It's most common in the summer and into the fall. So y'all, we're in we're in the window. Peak season. Now it is caused by a number of different viruses, and I'm gonna do my best to say these properly. They're fun names, actually. Hand, foot, and mouth disease is caused by viruses that belong to the enterovirus family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most common one is Coxsackie virus. Virus. Oh, yeah. there's. We went down to, to Lake Coxsackie just last week. Yes, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> Coxsackie virus A16 is the most common cause in the U.S. However, there is also a Coxsackie virus A6. Oftentimes, if it's caused by the A6, those symptoms are more severe. And then there are some places internationally that have some really scary versions of hand, foot, and mouth. They have not been seen in the U.S. yet. Um, But those are caused by enterovirus 71. It's been associated with a lot more severe disease. One version that actually leads to encephalitis or brain swelling. Oh, yeah. That's so hopefully that stays away from from all of us. So the important things to know about this, how do we avoid it? Obviously, hygiene is the main thing, like washing hands, washing toys, washing. But I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say if your kid is in a classroom in a daycare setting where this is going on, there really isn't much you can do. I mean, even if those teachers are on it, something's going to get passed from from kid to kid. And considering the incubation time, they're not even going to know that somebody has it 
until like a half a week or a week later. And by that point, they've all, it's already run through everybody. Yeah. Right. So you mentioned two days. I remember it being, it was either two or three days that Jonah had to stay home when Mm -hmm. there was an outbreak in, in his classroom. And if I'm completely honest, we didn't even notice that he had it at all until he had like four or five spots on each Mm -hmm. of his palms. Yep. So he must've had like a more mild case because I never even caught the fever and my kid acts way different when he has a fever so I usually pick up on that yeah yeah but everybody's different but usually they can return to school as long as they have no fever and are feeling well there is no treatment like you don't have to take your kid to the doctor necessarily for hand foot and mouth you're really just managing symptoms with Tylenol or ibuprofen and rest and a lot of fluids to hopefully flush that out and then of course clean frequently touched surfaces often It does mostly happen in kids, but adults can get it. That was my question. Like, are you, what's the risk of you now staying home with your kid? Are you going to get it? You very, very much can get it. I tried to find some good information on that and everything sort of varied. A lot of times when adults get it, they don't have any symptoms at all. Like Hmm. they won't even get a fever or the spots. Oh, wow. It's one of those things that varies from person to person. A cousin of mine, the whole house got it. And, and, you know, with all these viruses, each strain is a little bit different. So true. Mm -hmm. And the parents got really sick. Really? Like, like we're like a full on, like mono kind of achy, tired, lethargic, fever, spots everywhere. So it really varies. It is extremely contagious. And we're in peak season. So I wanted to share that with all of you. If you haven't had this fun time yet, it could be coming your way. (laughs) Buckle up. It's coming. Okay, Miranda. So how are we going to avoid a whole trash throwing situation in the future? (laughs) Like, I I know you mentioned you're going to tell us about discipline. I'm assuming the goal is so that we don't end up in a situation like you did. Yes, I would love for everyone to never end up in a situation like I did, where you're literally putting your child to bed naked and threatening to throw away their pajamas. It's crazy when I say it out loud. But I mean, the thing is, truthfully, like discipline is so hard. And it's one of those things we're always evaluating and trying to figure out as as parents. And at the same time, I think part of the problem with it, truthfully, is that it can be really controversial. And so it's something we Mm -hmm. don't often want to talk about with other people. So a lot of it's kind of like one of the things we talked about before, like we want to keep up with the Joneses, we want to put the cute little pictures out on Instagram, act like everything's okay. But really, like, we have to discipline our kids sometimes and it gets ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, it is one of those things like of all the topics of parenting, it's like the one that I think people whisper about the most. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my gosh, did you see what Tim did to so-and-so when he was misbehaving? Like there's so much judgment out there. Exactly. also so much passion. Uh Like we live down here in the South and I have lots of friends that are from like super old school families that are just like, you'll get the belt. 
kind of yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh-huh. And I, you know, people suck in their breath and are like, oh, geez. Whoa, that escalated quickly. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's hard. complicated. So yeah. help us. Help us. And I, I think it's something I want to try to circle back to, you know, of course, over future episodes, because it's an evolving thing. And it's something we can look at from a lot of different angles. But for today, I wanted to share some info from a book that I've been reading. And you're going to love this title. You're going to love it. It's called Unselfie. 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 Colon, why empathetic kids succeed in our all about me world. Okay. I mean, we definitely do have an all about me world going on right now. One of the the key arguments of the book is that we have to really work with our kids to help them build empathy. So the author is Michelle Borba. She is a doctor of education. And the whole book is about these nine habits to build empathy and these tools that parents can use to help their kids build empathy. Okay, good. Yeah, We all need some empathy. Definitely. And so some of the habits that she mentions in the book are things like emotional literacy, moral identity, perspective taking, self-regulation, so on and so forth. But today what I really wanted to talk about was she talked about discipline in the book. So I want to highlight that. It really jumped out at me. It talks about approaching discipline from an empathetic standpoint, which again can help our kids to effectively solve problems because we're modeling for them how to solve problems. Right. We're not throwing away the pajamas. And I mean, like, I mean, I I felt so stupid because it's like, of course, if I throw away his pajamas because he hates them, then why would he not logically conclude that if he hates something, he should throw it away? Makes sense because I just fucking did it. <laughs> like, you know what yeah. I mean? No, I Ugh. know. But I mean, it's all a big experiment and we're all doing our best. Like, Man. I mean, <laughs> we, you had had a long week and a long day when you work all day and then are trying to make good humans after hours. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's so stinking hard. So let's start with the things that we probably should should not do. And I want to be careful with talking about these things because the first thing I want to mention is spanking. Again, super controversial. But our goal on this show is and always will be we want to look at reliable sources that are backed by evidence based science. And we want to share that with you so you can make an informed choice about how you want to raise your kids and what are your parenting goals. So we're not here to tell you how to raise your kids. We're not here to do any of that. We just want to kind of lay this stuff out there, let you chew on it, and then think about what you can glean and what may help you in the future. So just want to preface that because spanking is. Oof, that gets a lot of people <laughs> polarized really quick. Tackle, that gets hackles up and like <laughs> arguments come come out. So, yes, yes, and, and I here's agree. The thing, you know, spanking can be super effective. It really can. You know, you're punishing your kid with a physical form of punishment. Super effective, particularly in the short term. If your kid's doing something you don't like, you want them to stop, you spank them short term. That's really good. But in the long run, there's so much evidence about the risk of harm it can cause. Now, I want to be clear. I said the risk of harm that it can cause, not harm indefinitely. Not that it always does, just that Correct. there is a risk of harm. A thousand percent. And again, everybody's different. Every child's different. So ultimately, 
what we need to know is that research over like the past 20 plus years has followed children who are spanked versus children who are not. And a lot of this research has found that kids who are spanked more frequently exhibit aggressive behaviors more often. They also have an increased risk of mental health disorders and an increased risk of impaired brain development. So aggressive behavior, mental health, impaired brain development. We talk a lot about correlating factors, and I fully want to acknowledge that those are certainly there. But still, you know, we want to make sure we're giving the very best that we can of ourselves to our children. I think regardless of your stance on spanking or any other form of discipline, that's our goal. The good thing is, in my opinion anyway, spanking as a trend is drastically shrinking. Uh, There was a poll in 2013 and about half of the parents under the age of 36 reported having spanking their own children. So half of the parents under the age of 36 had spanked, but they did a similar poll among older generations. So they looked at people under 36 and they looked at older generations. People in older generations above age 36 spanked their children 70% or higher. Okay. So it is, it's on a downward trend. That's a big drop. Yeah. We've gone from 70% to, to 50% over the span of a few generations. That's spanking. Moving along. Next up, yelling. Yeah. Have you ever yelled at Jonah? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really hard not to sometimes, sometimes because it's really hard. And and I mean honestly, usually it's not him, it's me. Mm-hmm. Like I'll be in a moment like you were with the pajamas. I I'm stressed out to the max. I've got 9,000 things that need done and I just can't Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mean like, you know, raising your voice at your kid to get their attention or like telling them, you know, what I'm talking about is like the kind of yell. And I think you are, too, where it's like it comes out of the soles of your feet and surges through your body. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you are like a primal wild animal of some kind and you're yelling at them in their face. It has happened a few times. Yeah. And I don't think it was great. It's not fun. It's not fun. And I, you know, I've done this a couple of times to Fisher and, you know, it's it's terrified him. It's absolutely terrified him. Oh, Jonah too. It's so scary, you know, to them. And, and you look at their little faces and it just breaks your heart that like, you know, they're looking at you like you're a monster. <laughs> and, right. you know, you love them more than anything in the whole entire world. And they're just looking at you like with this pure terror. So I know most of us have probably had that moment. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you haven't yet, it's probably coming soon just with the hand, foot, and mouth disease. Right. So buckle up. Anyway, unsurprisingly, yelling is what most parents feel guilty about. And, you know, again, being loud is one thing, but the actual words that we choose when we're yelling mm-hmm. can be even worse. So we could choose words that are damaging our kids' self-esteem. We could choose words that shame them or ridicule them. That's not great. Again, it's going to happen. Nobody's perfect, but I think one of the best things that we can do and one of the best things that I've learned to do is talk openly with Fisher about it when it happens. You know, I'll, I'll go up after I've cooled down and taken a minute. 
And I'll let him know, you know, hey, this was how I'm feeling. I made a bad choice to tell you. I'm really sorry about that. And and again, it's it's modeling the problem solving process. Ultimately, you're not sweeping it under the rug. You're bringing it up. You're talking about it. You're you're kind of confronting it head on. So those are two things that scientifically we probably shouldn't be doing or over the long term increase the risk of harm. That's the best way to say it. Okay. So. Let's look at some things that are proven ways to effectively discipline our kids and help them to build their empathy skills along the way. That's the okay. good part. That's what our, our book wants to talk about. In Unselfie, Michelle Borba, she talks about inductive discipline. And I had never heard of this before. Mm-mm. Me yeah, either. No, it's like one of those things. But as there was a psychologist named Martin Hoffman, and he coined this as kind of a parenting and a discipline style. And I kind of want to read this straight from the article. So it says, inductive discipline is a parental disciplinary method that involves using reasoning. I know you like that. I do. <laughs> reasoning, parentheses, induction to explain a parent's actions, values, and disciplinary approaches. It helps parents to set clear limits, remind children of the rules, and discuss with them the reasons for socially appropriate behavior. So when I say all of that, the thing that stands out to me with that is it's a very transparent approach. You're not just disciplining your kid, but you're talking to your kid about why you're disciplining them. Yeah. And and you're even going so far as to talk about why you're choosing how to discipline yeah. them. I know with my child, with Jonah, that would be be the most effective like he is like me he needs an explanation for everything you know being clear i know some kids don't need that or care about that but it it makes sense to me that you would want to explain exactly why you're doing what you're doing Exactly. Yep. And it's, you know, it's it's coming from that kind of logical standpoint and saying, you know, let's let's really sit down and look at this. So the the reasoning part really comes into play and the empathy part really comes into play when you help your child think about how somebody else would feel based on the way that they've acted. So for example, your kid takes a t- basic example, your kid takes a toy from from another kid or doesn't right. share. So we sit down and we say, how do you think that made Susie feel when you took that toy away from her? Or you could even go so far as, again, every kid's different. You take the ch- the toy away from your child and say, how does that make how you, do feel? you feel? Yeah. And examine That's that good. and sit with it. But one that comes up for, for me is like, and we just dealt with this in our crazy week as well, is whining in the store. And it kills me. You oh. know, I try to not take Fisher with me when I'm going to the store. But, you know, it's, I want the Fruit Loops. I want the Gatorade. I want the expensive blah 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 right right no i i have like a personal policy of like i literally at all costs will do whatever i can to not take jonah into a store with me it's terrible so with that you know i kind of thought about that example and it's like okay how would you feel if i was whining in the store like let's turn the tables like what if mama (laughs) was walking through the aisle and i was like i want this i want that like how are you gonna feel are you gonna feel embarrassed are you gonna feel like why are you acting like that because that's how i feel you know you're older you should know better you're a school age kid so 
So that's inductive discipline. It's it's this kind of perspective taking exercise that you engage your child in when you're encountering these situations, these problems, this discipline standpoint. And I just read off a whole big definition and we can't remember all of that. So our no. girl, Michelle, she gave us an acronym to use. Oh, Thank you, Michelle. I love a good acronym. This is called the CARE model. Oh, care, nice. Care. It even fits with the topic. It really does. So when you need to discipline your child, remember that CARE model. Okay, so let's go through the letters. C is for call attention to the negative behavior. Make sure your child clearly understands what the behavior was, and it's best to address that right away. So right away when it happens, hey, this is a bad behavior. You call attention to that. Next is A for assess. Help your child assess how the behavior may affect others. So there's really two A's, assess and affect. How is that behavior affecting other people? Invite them to think about it, draw their own conclusions. So again, taking the toy away, whining in the store, whatever the example is, throwing away the lunchbox. (laughs) How does it make me feel that you threw away this $25 lunchbox that I literally like sacrificed my night cream to buy you? Like, How does it make you feel? Sacrifice there. That's such a sacrifice, man. He Marie Kondo'd that shit. It did not bring him. (laughs) And he just, he threw that right in the trash can. I love that you just made Marie Kondo a verb. I'm so happy with that. I mean, I kind of feel like she is a verb. She really is. Oh my gosh. Not one that applies in my life. I like my stuff. Leave me alone. It all brings me joy. Okay. Like, stop. Get out of here, Marie. Oh, geez. Okay. What letter are we on? R. All right. R. R, matey, is for repair the hurt. Okay. Repair the hurt. And this is important because it's not just identifying that it was wrong, but it's actually working to make it right. And I told a story a while back about Fisher tore up a book that he got from the library. Yes. Yeah. And so this is one of those moments where I actually (laughs) achieved this. And he had to go do some chores and earn some money. And he had to go to the library and say he was sorry and pay for the book that he tore up. Repair the hurt. So teach them it's not just about saying you're sorry. You have to actively do something to, to put things back the right way. Good. Right. That makes sense. And the last one is express. E is for express. So okay. you need to express disappointment and emphasize the expectation. Okay, that was more than one E. That's a lot of E's. That was a lot of E's. Carrie, express disappointment and emphasize the expectation. So with this step, the key is really going back to the larger value that was violated. Did your child break someone's trust? Did they break your trust? Did they cause someone harm? And then you want to take that negative behavior and remind them of the positive value that it violated. Okay, so this is like bringing it all the way back to like overview. You're expressing the overview of what you really did wrong. Right, 100%. And so it's really kind of two two steps because the first thing you really should do is express your disappointment. You know, don't let your kid get away with it. Like, let them know, like, this was not cool. Like, I'm not okay with this behavior. This is not good. And then you emphasize what you expect the next time around. You know, it's a a two-for-one special. And to be clear, you know, when we're talking about expressing disappointment, 
you're not saying you're disappointed in your child. Never say that. <laughs> Never say Why? you disappoint me. No, it's your child's action or their behavior. The behavior. So separate them from the, the action. Correct. Right. That makes sense. So you're not going to say I'm so disappointed in you. I mean, whoa, that hurts. <laughs> Instead, right. what you want to say is I'm disappointed you made that choice. Good. That's better. Okay. Yeah, there's a difference there. Huge okay. difference. And then the second part of that is emphasizing the expectation, which could sound something like, I know that you are a good, kind, and caring person. And I know that the next time around, you can choose to do the right thing. And I feel like when you do that, it really sounds like more of a pep talk than a punishment. You know, you're not beating them down. You're building them up to do better the next time while still acknowledging they did something pretty crappy. But like, I believe that you can do it right the next time because these are our values. This is what matters. And this is the kind of person you are. Okay. Yeah. No, that sounds, that all sounds really good. That should be goals for all of us. I think so. So that's that's the care model. Thank you, Michelle Borba. You're the best. So <laughs> quick recap, call attention to the behavior, assess the behavior, repair the hurt, and express disappointment and emphasize expectations. Again, I think I, I really like this book and I want to make sure that I can present some more content from it in future episodes. So stay tuned and we'll have more to talk about when it comes to disciplining. Awesome. Thank you. I feel like I haven't saying anything on this episode yet and that's a problem for me and all of our listeners. Oh, oh, you think? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, when is Miranda going to sing? I'm on the edge of my seat over here. So here it is. Here it is. Mayhem Mamas, listen up. Get ready, Mel, because this one's going out to you. Okay, I'm ready. I'm as ready as I'll be. (laughs) Hit me with your spotlight. Hit me with your spotlight. Okay, if you get us into some sort of copyright infringement nonsense, (laughs) I'm going to be mad. Okay, guys, here's the deal. Miranda talked about inductive discipline today and about situations where we get very, very frustrated with our children. It's true. Our goals as parents are to handle that in the most appropriate way that does not cause harm to our children. Mm -hmm. But some folks do not stand by that guideline and they go too far with their discipline. And in those situations, you end up with a child abuse type household. And we've all known people. It's very prevalent. So our spotlight today relates to child abuse prevention. So the spotlight today is the Child Abuse Prevention Association, or CAPA. CAPA is a nationwide organization, and their goal is to prevent and treat all forms of child abuse by creating changes in individuals, families, and society, which strengthen family relationships and promote healing. They provide education, counseling, and family support program services. So some very valuable stuff. Mm -hmm. Their website is kappacares.org. So C-A-P-A cares.org. Like the care model, but with an (laughs) S on the end. And there's some really great resources on there. 
how to handle it'll give you some guidance if you think that a friend or a family member even there's a child abuse type situation going on it gives some really good guidance on how to handle that and then also resources to help those people get past that situation so that's what I wanted to share today. Like I said, they are based out of Missouri, but they are a nationwide organization and they get really good ratings on Charity Navigator. So check it out. Thanks for sharing that. And just to kind of summarize the episode, parenting is hard and we all struggle with the discipline thing, myself included. And I think it's it's really, really great when you have somebody that you can trust and go to and say, hey, I need some help. Like I'm at my wit's end and I need some help. Whether that's your parenting partner or somebody else, you know, again, find that support, reach out to those resources. At the end of the day, we gotta make sure we're doing what's best for our kiddos. And there's no way we can do what's best for our kiddos if we're not doing what's best for us as well. If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at mothermayhempodcast at gmail.com.